Report with Michael Matwening Bell, Kaya FM 95.9. Good evening. This is the Law Report and welcome to it. My name is Michael Matwening Bell. Good to be with you this Wednesday evening. And thank you so much for Dr. Cindy Fonsell. Uh, she's back again tomorrow, so you can look forward to yet another show from her. What are we talking about tonight? We're talking about something that we've absolutely never talked about before. The law of delict. And this is a very broad area of law And I have wonderful guests that are going to be helping me uh, To unpack it, to give you examples So this is a show you absolutely want to listen to And you absolutely want to dial into The number to dial 086-00-00-959 The Law Report With Michael Matwening Bell Kaya FM 95.9 Alright, uh, I have two guests in the studio Standing ready to take all of your calls But you need to know what we're talking about. So you're going to have to understand what the law of delict. Let me welcome my guest, uh, uh, Mr. Wendell Bloom. He's a director at Mkabela Huntley Attorneys. Wendell, thank you so much for joining us and good evening. Thank you, Michael. And as well as uh, Kuto Mulefe, she's an attorney at Mulefe Lepu Incorporated. Uh, Kuto, good evening and thank you so much for joining us. Good evening, Michael. Thank you for having me. It's actually Kujo Sohovela. Kujo, I'm sorry. It's, it's, so, so, thank you so much. Where do I get Mulefe then? Molefet is a law firm. firm. I beg your pardon. I beg your pardon. Very embarrassed. Bad way to start a show. (laughs) All right. So we did a whole course about this. It was literally like a year course. And we talk about the law of delict. And the reason why this show is very important is because it's such a broad topic. And and maybe let's start by defining it um, and saying, what is the law of delict? So... The best way to define the law of delict is by using its elements. Yeah. Right. So there are elements that you can discuss or look at to um, to realize whether the matter that you're dealing with can be claimed delictually. Yeah. So the first one is um, conduct. Mm-hmm. Right. So conduct can either be an act or an omission. So somebody does something or somebody fails to do something. Right. Right. So that's the first one that you looked at, you look at. And then it's after you've established that, you look at whether that action or that omission is wrong. Mm-hmm. So wrongfulness. Right. That's the um, the next element. Right. And a lot of things really go under <coughs> excuse me, lawful uh, wrongfulness, but I think we will unpack it as we go. Yeah. And then there's fault. So can fault be attributed to this person who did this, mm-hmm. right? And then you look at um, causation. So does that act or that omission to do something cause somebody to suffer a loss? Mm-hmm. And that's the last one, damages. Mm-hmm. So you look at whether that person um, that suffered, either suffered patrimonial or non-patrimonial. So either money or emotional uh, suffered pain and suffering yeah so in that alright so those are the elements but yes. if I could bring you in Wendell just in layman's terms how do I know when somebody has you know in America they call it the law of tort how do I know mm-hmm. locally if somebody has you know uh, I have a, a intellectual claim against somebody so so, so these are the, the requirements but just so that I'm sitting at home and I want to understand that oh my god this is a delict and I can do something about it the basic the basic concept to consider here is, is actually a one a one line which is a delict occurs when one party commits a wrong against another. Yeah. What then follows are the five elements that found <coughs> a delict, and um, 
in order to to prove that you have been that a delict has occurred, you need to prove all five. Now, in the in that context, obviously we don't want to confuse the the listeners mm-hmm. too much about the technicalities of yeah. it because um, we are saying those five elements. But give me an example. For example, um, le- le- let's take a a, a a road accident fund claim as as yeah. a basic example. Mm-hmm. And um, you drive along the road, and a a vehicle drives uh, drives into you, and um, on that basis, you you you're speaking of causation. You're speaking of wrongfulness. You're speaking mm-hmm. of all of those elements that have caused you harm. Mm. And ultimately, once you have established those elements then one can then say that um, you have a delictual claim. Right. And delictual claims can be against um, against um, individuals and then it, can, it, then it is also um, regulated in, 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 in the context of, for example, the road accident fund where your claim does not lie against the, the, the driver that caused the accident but mm. it lies against the road accident fund itself. Mm. And um, what is important to note, just in that v- very same thought, is that um, that claim that you have falls into various categories of what you can claim, and obviously what what you can't. Right. And um, right. We'll, we'll get to that. Let, let's just talk about examples. So the one example is um, RAF. So that would be an example of delict. And I'm assuming, for example, the 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 the, the pupil that uh, drowned from Pakistan boys, that's an example of a delict. Mm. What else are examples of delict? Just so that the listeners are able to understand, oh, okay, so, you know, an, a, car, a car accident, I'm drowning at, at your lodge, um, I get hurt at your school. What other examples are there? So it could be, it, it, it varies, hey? it mm-hmm. really varies. And I know a lot of people, a lot of attorneys don't, or, or rather they know that when you answer a question, the first thing you always say is that it depends, you know. So it really does depend on what kind of um, situation you're in. But if you're now in a situation where you've suffered harm, mm. you know, it was caused by somebody else. Are you, whether are you at, at work? Are you on the road? You know, so it really just does depends on the specific situation you're in. But the examples that you've mentioned already, the, 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 the child drowning, the RAF, yeah. We're talking about delict, and the number to dial if you want to have any question for any of my guests uh, is uh, 086-00-00959. So we've established what delict means. So let's maybe take it in the context of, you know, um, we now know what it is and we, we have a few examples. Now, if I'm having a delictual claim, what can I claim for? In other words, take an example of my child drowns or my child, you know, gets, gets hit by a car. And, and is injured. And, and I guess injuries, it could be injury, it could be death. Just those kind of, you know, a, a spectrum of what are the possible claims available to me. What is important to, to note is that um, when it comes to um, delictual claims, there they are mm. certain what, is, what we call heads of damages. Right. Under which you can, you can claim. And um, if I again take the, the, the example of the road accident fund, um, um, situation that I described earlier, mm. you'll find that um, I was involved in a, in a motor vehicle accident. Mm-hmm. I suffered um, certain injuries, um, of which I can make an example that I've suffered orthopedic injuries. I've su- I've suffered perhaps a head injury, mm. and um, it has placed me in a position um, 
that I wasn't in before had the accident not happened. And the definition of the first head of damages, which is called general da- general damages, mm. is to ostensibly place you in the position um, that you would have been had the ex- had the incident not happened. Right now, the general damages would be your pain and suffering, loss mm. of amenities, those kinds of um, those kinds of um, considerations. And there's there's various guidelines to determine what kind of uh, what kind of amount um, needs to be allocated to, for example, let's say the first aid of damages that I've discussed, which is general damages. I mean, we are led by what is called authorities case law mm-hmm. that basically gives us an indicator that look for my for my broken leg, I'm entitled to X. Mm-hmm. For my for my um, uh, uh, my ankle that that has been dislocated, I'm I'm entitled to this um, to, to to X amount, and then. Outside of general damages, you then also get um, claims for um, um, medical expenses. Mm-hmm. You get claims for um, future medical expenses, current medical expenses, future medical expenses. And then people tend to wonder why some of these claims, um, um, especially in the past, RAF claims used to be that huge. Mm. And the huge claims come into, into play in scenarios where there is a potential loss of loss of income right for for the for the for the injured person and I'll, and I'll give you a quick example if you if you'll allow me mm. um, let us take a, a young man that is 20 years old um, he's just complete he's in his last year of varsity and um, he intends to be an engineer that's what he studied for and um, now the accident has it can be proven that the accident has placed him in a position that he would not have been had it not occurred. And then what, what is then determined is that um, uh, 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 through various experts that in fact this person, without um, giving a long example of it, that this person has in fact suffered a loss of income. Mm. That is determined by an actuary. So that, that's, that's you going to court and saying, well, he's in his final year, but we surmise that had he, he was about to finish, and had he not been injured, he would have been able to assume employment and 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 work for a particular company and that sort At of a certain rate. So 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 it's not a loss of income because he's earning it. Yes. You can it, it can also be futuristic. Of course. Yeah. No, of course it is. Okay. And and there's two 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 considerations there. Yes. It's called the but for and having regard to scenarios. Right. But for means that had the accident not happened, he would have um obtained employment by whatever engineering company mm. if you look at the salaries that they that they pay these individuals you would have progressed at a certain certain level mm. at the age of 65 you would more or less if you computate all of that yes you would more or less have made x amount right now the experts tell us that in fact you will not be able to achieve any of those levels his loss of earnings is the difference between the two fears right so if if for example we have and 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 I, and, I, and I, I was interested in something that you mentioned and and you sort of distinguish between the now and 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 what used to, how the RAF used to work before yes. um, if if you take for example somebody who as you've described as an engineer and is 20 and you're looking at where he might be at 65 but also post 65 so you want to you want to compensate this individual for that entire period and and that could be well in the millions because they, they're getting the money now but it's futuristic yeah? yeah um would would a court then say assuming this individual can't work at all would the court then say we're going to give you an amount equal to what an engineer would earn in his first 
five years of his profession and then look at what he would earn in the first in the in the in the ten year first ten first fifteen and and later on in his career is that how the damages are quantified because you know you know people that are out there listening at home they know of somebody somewhere that has received a lot of money from the RAF as an example yes. and but those amounts are varying they they vary from person to person so so that would be very interesting interesting to sort of delve a little bit deeper into you 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 find different scenarios you 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 you, you can you can find a situation where that having regard to the incident this person has a diminished ability to move upon the same trajectory they would have had the incident not happened mm. so he he might still be an engineer but he may not be able to function at a certain level then you can find a different scenario where the person is completely unem- unemployable yes he, he just cannot work mm. and um if that is something that can be can be proven to a court mm. then it is then for a calculation to be made and i obviously don't want to come I advise my colleague that I don't want to complicate it too much yeah. for, the, for, the, for the listeners, but a computation can then be made to say that, had, but for the accident, had the accident not occurred, he would have earned, over a period of 45 years, he would have earned 35 million, mm. for example. Mm. It can now be shown that, in fact, he can't do this job. And um, uh, by all projections, there's very little else that he can do because then the assumption is, well, can he do something more physical that doesn't require um, maybe his head or so something to that effect but i mean that's a that's a different uh, different debate but people can be unemployable is there a difference uh, now with how the raf works as an example today relative to six seven years ago insofar as uh, insofar as that is concerned well um the because I, I remember some headlines, and, and let me maybe sort of, I remember headlines, and, and, I, and I don't practice in the area, but I remember headlines more to sort of curtailing how much one can claim from the RAF, because you'd find that, you know, there was that famous case where somebody from the United States or somewhere overseas claimed yeah. RAF here and translated in dollars and trying to make sure that that individual loss of earnings, dollar denominated, yeah. amounted to a, a, a terribly huge amount. The, the the matter you're talking about is a matter that happened in the Western Cape where it's, it's a Swiss gentleman yes. that was involved in an accident and um, um, at the time I was also doing um, RAF work I don't I don't do it anymore um, and the the claim was over 500 million <coughs> that the individual was paid out that particular matter was a turning point in in the way that um, um, government saw the running of the RAF and the RAF model <coughs> what was then um, implemented ostensibly um, and I don't have the figures uh, um, in front of me but I can tell you as a matter of fact there have been caps placed to yeah. answer your question yes so before um, you could claim whatever it is that you can prove but um, there has been changes to that and and I want to mention another change that before you even get to the aspect of um, whether you can claim uh, 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 three million as a, as a as a top top figure in, in terms of what, what you are entitled to from the Rorex and fund. Um, before you even get to that, um, there's an issue that is uh, um, that has been implemented with regards to the level of disability that you need to have mm. before you are even allowed to um, institute a claim. Mm. I'll give an example. Um, Ten years ago, I was involved in a motor vehicle accident and I had a minor whiplash. I could claim for it. Um, and I got compensation. compensation for whiplash. For yeah. Yes, for whiplash. Um, 
But then uh, legislation has, has subsequently changed to the effect that you need to ostensibly demonstrate a 30% whole body impairment mm. before you are entitled to claim. Mm. Now, that 30% whole body impairment, um, if, you, if you actually um, scrutinize it, it is quite a high bar. Mm. Um, and um, in, in simple terms, if you have a scratch, if you have a, a minor fracture, or you just have a few fractures, um, the chances are quite good that you will not meet the threshold of the 30%. So um, the aim is basically to, uh, to, to root out small claims mm. and to root out the huge claims so that the road accident fund ostensibly works along this, the same model as the Workman's Compensation Fund. You, you know, it sounds like we're talking about the RAF and the reality is we're not. We're talking, yes. about, we're talking about delict in general. So where you are in a supermarket and you get injured, um, you slip and fall, a dog bites you. So that's really more broad. Yes. So if you've just tuned in, that's what we're talking about. And do give us a call. Uh, the number to dial is 86 If you have any questions for any of my guests. So now let's talk about something that I'm sure a lot of Afropolitans would find very interesting, which is pain and suffering. Yes. So, so <laughs> we know that you can claim for pain and suffering, but a lot of people might think, hang on, you know, I was in that relationship and I'm feeling a little bit of pain and I'm suffering as a result. So it's, it's in English terms, it seems a very easy concept, but in legal terms, what does it really mean? And how does, how does a court even get itself to in a position where it can quantify someone's pain and suffering? So generally pain and suffering is quite difficult to quantify. Mm. You know, it's your, the pain that you felt. <laughs> how do you, how do you put yeah. <laughs> monetary value to get to yeah. that? So, but thankfully we've got case law. So our courts are usually bound by previous decisions mm. that the court has passed on. So if, for example, um, usually one would claim pain and suffering from uh, an RAF matter as well. So we'd have to now go back and say in the previous let's case... Let's use another example okay. outside of RAF because I don't yeah, want to... Like slip and trip. Yeah, a let's slip, go back. Yes. I'm in a supermarket. I've fallen, I've, I've slipped in yes. the yes. yes. Yeah. So somebody slipped. There's a case. This is not the first time somebody's slipping in a supermarket. This is not the first time they did not put a, a warning sign that it's wet there. So we'll go back to case law and say, okay, there's a previous case wherein uh, the facts were similar mm-hmm. and this is what the... Um, the judge has awarded before. Mm. So we generally uh, guided by previous decisions and yeah, that usually assists the court in quantifying the claim. Right, but so where, so, so can one claim pain and suffering from, from a broken, you know, from marriage, a broken marriage, for example? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, because I, I'm, I'm just trying to get to a mm. point where we're able to distinguish clearly for, for Afropolitans what kind of pain and suffering is claimable and which one is not. Well, I've, before I even go into that, I, I, and, I, and I appreciate your point that we, we're indicating to the listeners that this is not a discussion just about the road accident. Yeah. Mm. Um, if we talk about, and it's called a slip and trip, yeah. and it happens a lot in our shopping malls where someone walks and, and, and slips because the floor is, uh, the, there's a tile that's missing and you know you dislocate, and people can um, in, uh, incur severe injuries with these kinds of things. And mm. once you, once you, why I'm ma- making mention of that example is to say that once it comes to the quantification of um, we've established the elements of delict, mm. what are the heads of damages? It follows ostensibly the same trajectory as one would have in a, in a road accident fund matter where there's general damages. Now you, you're speaking about um, 
pain and suffering yeah. in the context of delict. Yeah. Now, pain and suffering under a head of damages would fall under the head of damages called general damages. Right. Now, if one translates that into um, pain and suffering for for a marriage, well, it can't be because um, the act of, um, conducted in the marriage is not a delict. Mm. Um, so you can't then prove those elements in order to prove That's why the explaining the elements was important, isn't it? Of course. Because one needed to say, you know, mm. is there conduct, is it wrongful? And I guess it, it'd be the wrongfulness part that yes. comes in. I mean, I can, I can think of um, just a, a, a quite a crude example that a colleague of mine gave to, uh, to, to one of his clients who was complaining about his, his soon-to-be ex-wife. And he kept reminding him, but you married her. You know, you complain, mm. but it's you that got married to her. And, um, you know, she's giving you all this grief. And um, um, there was cheating involved in these kind of things. Obviously, we feel aggrieved by it. Mm. Yes. You understand? Yeah. And, um, and then one has to ask herself in the, in the context of, 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 of a divorce, what you, what you are actually entitled to. And, um, and that, that is a whole different discussion. But in the context of a marriage, yes, you, 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 you know, you married the person. But in the context of a divorce, you can sue the person with whom your wife is cheating with and and we'll we'll get to that <laughs> after the break because that's okay. sort of the interesting bits about law we're going to take a break and when we come back we're taking your calls any questions that you have insofar as an injury that you suffer whether it's an injury that you sustain at work uh on the road uh even from your neighbor your neighbor's dog in a mall this is a show to to call do you give us a call oh eight six double zero double zero nine five nine the law report with Michael Matweening Bell, Kaya FM 95.9. Welcome back. We continue our discussion. We're talking about delict. Have you been in a road accident? And, and sometimes when we talk about road accident, there's, there's literally two components to it. There's the damages to your car, which the RAF doesn't cover, and then there's the damages to your person, your physical person. And so that's the, that's the one context. So you're in a mall, you got a dog bite, or you get injured at work. And a lot of people, you know, I think one of the easy ones to know is, is, you know, what happens when you get injured at work. And we'll touch a little bit about that. But if you have any questions for any of my guests, I'm joined in the studio by Wendell Bloom. He's a director at the Mkabela Huntley Attorneys, as well as Kuto Sekhobela, whom I, I, <laughs> I, I was quite embarrassed by earlier on. But she's from Mulefo uh, Zebu Attorneys. Now, let's just touch on the question that we were dealing with just before we took a break. And that is, can... I sue my husband's mistress for cheating with my husband? The short answer is no. Mm. There has been um, legal traction on that in the past. The courts have ostensibly come out and um, indicated that um, the act of marriage is, is, is voluntary. Mm-hmm. You've, you've gone into this marriage voluntarily. Um, you must appreciate that there are certain consequences that flow from it and sometimes unfortunate consequences such as the, the elements of, of, of infidelity and these kind of things. So ostensibly, the answer to that is it, it was a consideration by our courts in the past. It no longer is. Um, there's, a, there's a matter also that I mentioned off air um, that is quite recent where the, the, the wife is suing the husband um, because he decided to come out of the closet and um, um, and indicate that he that he is gay and um, the the long and short of what the court did was ostensibly to 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 chuck it out on the basis of a claim which was um, to ask for the damages suffered the emotional stress and strain suffered from the fact that she's been 
um, in this marriage with this individual for uh, an extended period of time. He's basically wasted her time and he's caused the stress by now and embarrassment by coming out um, uh, 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 to say that he's gay. And it, 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 it in, some, in some ways goes back to our initial discussion about where does pain and suffering reside? Mm. And the, then we go to the elements of the very subject that we, we, we're speaking of. And then you, you speak of um, a, 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 an element called general damages, which is pain and suffering, loss of amenities, loss of comfort, those kind of things. And um, unfortunately, if you are in a, in a relationship and you are very aggrieved by the person that has been imposing on your marriage, um, you can't go that route anymore. Sorry. <laughs> and, and just to add on that, Michael, if now we take it back home to the listener listening right now, just imagine how long the court roll would be if everyone could now come in and sue the husband's <laughs> mistress. Yeah. You know, I, I guess one is is lucky, um, and it, it's sort of a, a a bad thing to say, but if of all the misfortunes you can have, being injured in in an RAF context yes. is better than being injured in most other contexts because mm-hmm. you've got the guarantee or the assurance that the RAF, because essentially what the RAF is, is it's insurance for drivers, right? And for things that happen on the road. But there's so many other things that we don't have insurance for by the government. So it's a government initiative where mm-hmm. you're insuring accidents on the road. But there's so many other incidences and, and, and often you'd find that um, somebody there's an assault that happens um, and and that is that is delict because somebody is you know meeting all of the requirements of they they conduct which is hitting you it's it's un, it's it's wrong to hit somebody and and so on and so forth what are these some of the challenges because you don't see often these cases happening where somebody's suing the other person what are the challenges from a recovery point of view does people normally find um, when you say recovery, you mean so you suing the RAF, you know that the RAF is sitting with a, you know a few odd billion, and they could meet your 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 um, your claim, but the you know not everybody is able to you know so you 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 hit me and all my teeth fall out and I need hundred and sixty thousand rands to get them back on. Yes. Um, and, and sort of that's sort of the, the murky thing when you're now getting out of the comfortable delict of RAF. And, and we'll touch again on the other comfortable one, which is something that happens within the context of your employment. We'll, we'll talk more about that. So, so I, I, I want to chat a little bit about problems around recovery now. Now I know I want to sue you, but I'm worried about whether is it worth my while. Um, I'll take you down to a, to, to a, discussion of, of what I had also thought of before the show mm. we one considers that um, um, you sue someone and th- this is the kind of advice as attorneys that we give people mm. um, and, and I'll just slightly deviate to, to, sure. to, to Go explain my point that um, your, your, the damage that you suffered to your, to your vehicle mm. is, is 20,000 yeah. someone drove into you um, you come to me and um, you want to recover the 20,000 from, from this individual. Let's assume for all intents and purposes, there's no, there's no insurance involved on mm. the other side. Um, and then you can find that um, the process, whether it goes out of the, the magistrate's court, um, it will most probably go out of there. Um, the costs of running a matter um, 
to recover 20,000 rand, we will have to be very careful that you do not sit in a situation where it will cost you 45,000 rand in order to recover 20,000 rand. Mm. And um, back to your, your example as well, and this is where the consideration of, of litigation mm. comes into to play. And this is the difference between the constant reference to RAF that we make and also a reference where there's not this kind of insurance because when an attorney takes on an RAF matter, um, the client ostensibly pays, pays, pays nothing. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the fees of the attorney are derived from the actual claim. Yes. So had it not been the case, that, um, that client would have had to pay some kind of deposit and pay a, a monthly bill um, towards these legal fees. Now, if you take that away and you, you ask about recovery of this, um, sure, there's, there's mechanisms our courts allow. Um, in full litigation on this and um, you may very well be successful if you prove your elements and if, if you prove your damages. Um, ultimately then, at some point you'll have to consider if you're just a, a, a man on the street and um, you don't have a lot of means mm. whether is this recovery of what I think is 20,000 for my damages, is it really going to cost me 56,000 rand to mm. recover and if, is it really worth um, pursuing it on that basis? What people are then encouraged to do in instances like that, and it is successful at times, is some form of mediation with the person that has, has wronged you, if, it, if, if there's a platform for that, to try and resolve the matter amicably and to reach some kind. It happens to cr in criminal matters, especially on the East Rand, where um, I, I punched you at the restaurant, you were looking at my girl, and um, you've suffered a blue eye and a broken... This, they don't want to go through the entire criminal process. Mm -hmm. So they get the parties together and ostensibly try and see, but how can we resolve this matter mm -hmm. um, between the parties? And if you did throw the punch, trust me, you, you're going to have to fork out some kind of money as, mm -hmm. uh, as a form of, of, of settlement of the matter. I, I and and I guess that's where, you know, so, so I guess that's where uh, small claims court comes in, sure. where, where it sort of meets. But, but let's talk about, you know, now I'm suing you and... Um, I, I need you to pay. So what are some of the enforcement mechanisms? And I think if you can come in, what are some of the enforcement mechanisms? Because, you know, RAF, that's an easy example. Mm. But one of the fears that most people would have is that I'm going to sue this person, then I'm still going to struggle to, okay. to recover the money that the court has awarded me. So um, you're basically asking that if I want you to pay yeah. for what you've done to me, mm what do I do? Yes. Is that the yeah. question? Okay. So depending on the kind of matter mm -hmm. it is, right? So I was more mm. at execution level. So now, yes. yeah, okay. that, that's sort of what the thinking was. Okay. So um, like you have mentioned before, we would try to settle mm -hmm. out of court. Mm. And that is what we advise our clients to do most of the time. The reason being that um, going into litigation and um appearing in court is costly mm. so we are looking at the interests of the client and if I'm now rendering services to you I want to make sure that you eventually get what you want out of the matter mm -hmm. but not only that that you don't spend a lot of money on it for example that um, it was just made now that you want to claim 20,000 rands and it's going to cost 45,000 rands right right now, now let's talk about something that probably is less of a of, you know, of of a problem from a, from a litigation point of view, and that's if I get injured at work, how does that play out? In other words, where do I go? How do I get help? Just to, yeah, 
just to just to slightly touch on the the, the earlier point that yeah. you that you made that um and you were talking about execution yes um <laughs> ordinarily if there's a, a well if there's a court ruling there'd be a court order yeah um and that court order is executable mm-hmm. um, um the there's no there's nothing that bars you from executing and let's say for example it is the court has awarded you 90,000 rand mm. um, the person doesn't pay and then obviously you can then um, enforce execution um, um, and procedures with regards to a recovery of this and um, there's um, there's various uh, ways that the sheriff the office of the sheriff then approaches this with regards to a visitation at your property and what you own to 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 essentially establish an inventory of what what you have to more or less the value of what you owe mm. the individual and then there's um all of these things in terms of the removal of these of these items mm. for the purposes of sale so that the debt can be met so to answer your question um uh, i think our country has very effective um, exe, um execution processes um in place um but one can must also appreciate the reality that um, sometimes um, with execution your your ninety thousand that you expect may not be a ninety thousand because it it, it uh, what the person has in his possession may not realize mm. ninety thousand and that's that's sustains that's just the reality of the matter. But getting back to before you get back to that because I think there's something that arises and and the reason why I was particularly interested in this is if you think a lot of people would have had experience in one way or another with maintenance claims and then you'd find that somebody says well i've got this maintenance claim and i'm not being paid and i'm still struggling i'm still not getting child support and a lot of people get that sense that hang on i'm not getting help but in these kind of claims it must be you know i get the sense that it's it's different so you don't have to worry so so somebody can't say i don't work but they're sitting with the house or is sitting with a car so i just wanted if you can explain the you know so the reward of of pursuing a intellectual claim because a lot of people could be discouraged you get hit by a, a taxi and the taxi looks like it's in bad shape and you worried whether you're going to be able to recover any money at all whether it's even worth your while even after you get a court judgment that says you've won can you go for the taxi and, and attach that if it's fully paid if it's not encumbered yes yeah. um look i think even on both examples mm. um I mean, there's there, there's people that feel very discouraged in the example that you've made about maintenance. Mm. Um, I think our, 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 our system at, at children's court level um, is actually quite effective. Mm. But, uh, I mean, the guy is, is skipping his maintenance payments. I mean, the 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 complainant then simply approaches the court and um, an investigation is is, is held. And um, the and that, that's exactly my point. So, so in other words, the maintenance court would still want to undertake an investigation and undertake a, an affordability test because they trying in that context they're trying to preserve. You know, they're not they're not trying to go. It's it's people that are typically in a domestic relationship, even though they split. They're in some kind of long term relationship where, if a, if a husband comes and says, "Well, I'm not paying," but uh, or ex husband says, "I'm not paying," but I'd like to pay, but I'm just not working at the moment. And different from in delict, we look at different things. Yes. And yeah, yeah. Just just on that uh, on that very example, um, the 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 efficiency of a court order mm. is exactly that. Um, if I work and I'm not paying my maintenance, um, and 
that order stems from the very fact and ordinarily should stem from the very fact that that affordability test that you speak of has already been done. That's why there's the court order. Indeed. So you are at the point where it's no longer a debate whether you can afford it. It's, it just appears that you don't want to pay. Mm. And in that instance, um, um, don't be surprised that w- when your next salary goes into your account, you might not even know that your ex-partner has gone on to onto those processes, that you see that there's a 3,000 less into your bank account because the person has then approached the, the courts, the sheriff has been engaged to, to deliver the order at your workplace and your employer must comply. Mm. With the, and they, I think the fine at the moment for the employer is 15,000 rand if they don't comply with the, with the court order. So they, they'll have to implement that um, um, and then your salary is attached for whether it is that you are in arrears and whether it is for, for going forward. So the point is you'll have to pay. But, but back to your point of... Um, I want to take a break. You wanted to make okay. a quick point. Oh, yes. Um, I just wanted to say that before we even get to the stage of having a court order, mm. there are processes that the maintenance officer and the attorneys, if the, the people are represented by attorneys, mm. that they have to go through. Mm. You know, very basic and it's not costly. They look at the expenses of the children. They look at how much you make and how much the, the, the other... Uh, so that's in the context yes, of, yes. of maintenance. So yes. All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, we continue our discussion. We're talking about your damages claim. What do you do when you're in an accident, whether it's caused in a car, in a mall, or wherever? That's our show. Do you give us a call? 86 959 We're back after this. The Law Report with Michael Matwening Bell, Kaya FM 95.9. Welcome back. It's uh, 20 minutes before 9 o'clock and we're talking about delict law. Something that happens to you where you suffer damages or an injury as a result of somebody else's conduct. That's essentially what delict is, whether it's in an RAF context, whether it's in a, um, uh, somebody uh, bumps your car uh, or even something that is <laughs> upsets the Ministry of Health quite a bit is um, medical negligence. That's delict. You you went there, you didn't you didn't Ask for somebody to leave a scissors in. in, in your <laughs> so, so that's that's the broad spectrum of, of our conversation tonight. So, do give us a call um, uh, by dialing the number oh eight six double zero double zero nine five nine. I want to take a call and talk to Khazo from Rosebank. Khazo, good evening, and thank you so much for calling. Good evening, sir. Yes, sir. How are you, Minir? I'm good, Minir. How are you? I'm okay. Uh, uh, one of my cars were involved in an accident, but I wasn't the one driving, ah. and the car was not insured. Mm-hmm. So I got a letter. I don't know from who. Who was driving? Uh, the guy who's renting the car. Okay. Yeah. So you're running a car rental business. Uh, Uber business. Ah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so the guy bumped the car. I don't know, he was involved in an accident and apparently he was drunk and everything. Your guy? Yes, the okay. guy who was driving my car. Okay. So now I received a letter of demand to pay for the damages and whatnot. Uh-huh. So I just want to find out if I'm the one who's liable for paying those things or do I need to redirect everything to the person who was driving? Very interesting question. Thank you so much for your question. Stay on the line um, while, while, while Huzo takes your call. So that's the beauty of delict. Yeah. Right. Um, usually, for example, with your 
medical negligence, yeah. you'd never find that uh, they are claiming against the doctor or the nurse who was negligent. Yeah, mostly the, the nurse because doctors tend yes. to have like a private practice. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. So um, it would mostly be against the, the MEC of health, so and so. Yes. So, yes, Hotzo is liable, right? Yeah. Uh, because at the time when this delict was committed, yes. it was committed by somebody who was employed by Hotzo at the time. And when you claim, I'm not going to come now and claim against you directly because chances are you will not afford, so I'm going to go against your employer. And out of your employer, it's most certain that I'll get more or I'll get exactly what I'm asking for. Yes. So to answer Hoto's question, yes. But doesn't it depend? So this is a concept that they call vicarious liability. Yes. So, so what you're saying is that uh, Hoto would be vicariously liable, liable for things that are done by his employee, mm. provided that those things are done during the course and scope of that employee's of the employee. employee yes. Now, an interesting thing is, because I don't know what the driver owner arrangement is between uber and okay. and the drivers and i think Jose, i'm glad that you're still on the line because if we clarify that because you'd have to be an employee if At if, if it's because you know who's the employer is it mm. uber the the san francisco guys is it Jose, the rosebank guy or is mm. it the driver mm. um and and so what are the arrangements is between you and and the driver does the driver give you you know maybe if you explain that we would then be able to reverse engineer to understand whether there is a relationship of employee employer Hoza? yeah but they, 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 they are uh, agreement between the two parties is a, is, a, is a rental cost yes for using the car for the business right and that's it so the person is employed by Hoza. no Hoza oh. is saying he essentially rents the car from him am, am I correct no, you rent as a driver, you rent out a car from whoever it belongs to, to use it to to, to under to, to operate under Uber or Taxify. Yes. Yes. So, but the in the, your, the driver is not your driver. In other words, do you say, "Hey, driver, uh, you must start work at eight, and you must finish work no, no, at no, nine, no, no. Or do you say, no, no. "I don't care how you do this. I'm I'm renting to you the car, and my rental fee is six thousand rands a month." My rental fee is whatever the amount per week or month. There's nothing else. Right. So, so whether so, so you 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 don't control this individual. No, no, I don't control this individual. L- let me understand because um, mm. I- I, do you I- is it that there's a tripartite agreement between yourself, Uber, and the driver, where where uber pays the driver a certain portion and pays the owner of the car a certain portion but you both are essentially contracted to uber okay but i think it becomes different because there's two platforms it's uber and taxify right taxify but which one is yours so we help you it it was taxify right okay explain that how that works because you ask a very important question and it could very well be that you can deflect to the driver but we can't tell you that if we don't understand what the arrangements are between yourself, the driver, and Taxify. With Taxify, you just hand over the card to the driver. Everything goes through him, the, the monies and everything. If he makes, if, if Taxify needs to deposit any money, it goes through to the driver, and then the driver gives your rental agreed money to you. Right, so you are paid by the driver. Yes. And it's a standard fee. 
Yes. And then you got a rental agreement for the car? On paper. Yeah, well, yeah, even if it's not on paper. So is the agreement that, driver, I'm going to rent this car to you? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think think on that point, the the principle that my colleague has explained um, still stands in terms of vicarious liability. Yeah. And... um, the the question, as I understand it, because I also got a bit slightly mm-hmm. lost as to yeah. how the hierarchy works with with the example of a caller, that um, if it's in the course and scope of your employment, mm. the law is clear. Mm. If it is in a different arrangement, um, firstly we need to understand what that arrangement is. I, mm. must, I must confess, um, I'm still a bit um, at sea as to exactly what the hierarchy is but in, in mm-hmm. but but let me clarify because i think i have something of an idea essentially the driver has an arrangement with taxify and approaches hots and says hots you have a car can i use your car and i will give you 20000 rands a month for your car for just the car for the car yeah so hots doesn't get to wake up and say hey driver are you up now are you working are you are not making money this week am i right hots you don't, you don't control the individual. You don't care if he wakes up or doesn't wake up, works night shift or doesn't work night shift. All you no, want is your 20,000 rands or X amount rands. Yes? Yes, so yes, correct. Yeah, so it's a, it's a pure rental agreement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a rental agreement. Yeah. Well, in that instance, the, the first port of call and why you've received the letter of demand is because it is obvious that the cars are in any event registered in your name. Yes. And and on that basis, that's why you've um, you've received that that letter of demand. But then the question is, um, if it is that it is not in the and it's 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 a point that you've touched on earlier, where liability can then in that instance be argued to deflect back to the the cause of the accident and not the owner of the vehicle, which is Indeed. in fact the driver. Yes, yes. because mm-hmm. even if you'd given a car, if I if if I give my car to my son and my son uses my car and causes an accident, the fact that it's my car is inconsequential. Exactly. Um, it's, they must sort it out with my son. And so good luck. The, 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 the short answer to, to that question, ostensibly, is that um, you may have received the letter of demand as a matter of course, um, bearing in mind that you are the registered owner of the yeah. vehicle. And, um, but um, there is a case to argue that in fact, Bearing in mind the relationship between you and the driver, yes, and and that he was the cause of, of 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 this accident, that he could in fact, if it is that the elements of delict are proven that we were discussing mm. earlier, that a claim may very well lie against him and not you. Yeah, and and I and I think th- does the letter of demand say that allege that you employ the driver? Yeah, it's written your employee. Yeah, so you must write, you must get a lawyer because this is not something you want to do yourself. You must get a lawyer, show him your agreement with Taxify and whatever, but then say, this person is not my employee, then mm-hmm. you are halfway. In fact, there's an interesting concept of contributory negligence. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if anyone wants to, want to touch on that because actually it may turn around, it may be that you have a claim against them. Of course, of course. So contributory negligence simply refers to a situation where um, for example, the driver was wrong, mm. but not entirely wrong for the whole uh, damage. Yes. So um, he was, the, the robot was, was green for him and 
somewhere along that lines as you are supposed to 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 cross so there's it's the, 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 yes. they, they both sort of in some other way so maybe yes. your driver is 90 percent, but the other one also the, the 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 person that's suing you also did something wrong also did so, so they contributed to they the contributed, negligence yes. Yes. so that's sort of the, the the scenario so how does that then unfold legally so um we're going to say that if the claim is now um a hundred thousand yeah. rands mm-hmm. right what's 90 percent of that uh for which i'm the wrong one and i have um contributed 90 percent to the damages yes and then the 10 percent will be attributed to the other person who's involved so in that instance then we're going to share costs in that ratio 100 percent. yeah would you would you mind if i just give for the expansion yeah yeah I'll, I'll, i'll do it by way of example um, I approach the traffic light. The traffic light is green for me. Um, and the design of the road at that point is such that I can reasonably see a vehicle approaching from my left coming towards the intersection. I drive at a certain speed and it is reasonably, reasonably expected for me to realize and appreciate that this vehicle coming from my left is clearly not going to stop mm. and enters the intersection and crashes into my vehicle. Then there's various finite discussions about whether crash occurred, whether it's in front, it's in the middle, or it's in the back, because there's various um, tests for that. But why I'm making the example is in terms of contributory negligence. People sometimes assume because the robot, the traffic light is green for me, and therefore I just I have can just a drop. right of way, okay. and I don't have to have any look. Yeah. But then there's there's defined case law in this in this regard that says that bearing in mind if you look at the landscape and the type of intersection that you as a reasonable person ought to have um, realized that this vehicle was coming on ought to have had some sort of appreciation that it became clear that this vehicle was not going to stop and taken some sort of evasive action yeah. and because of that it will then be that there is some kind of contributory negligence. It, the, 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 the bar will be higher for the vehicle that skipped the robot. For sure. You will, you will carry some kind of... Uh, so, so in short, Khoto, from the answers from, from the panel is that the guys, if you're not an employer of your driver, they can't sue you, but by virtue of the fact that you're the owner of the car, you can sue them. Right, so that's the short answer. Dumi from Guamshanga, from Pumalanga. Thank you so much. It's uh, very good to get a call all the way from Pumalanga. Uh, good evening, Dumi. <laughs> good, be- good evening, how are you? I'm well, and you? I'm good, thank you. Um, I would like to ask this question. I I had an India on duty, I think it was 10 years back. Yes. Can, can you hear me? Uh, we can hear you fine. Okay, so it was 10 years back, and then... Uh, the doctor said it was permanent, so I had to leave the duties that I was doing to light duties. Mm-hmm. And then that happened a uh, few years, and maybe a year or two years, then that stopped, and then what stopped? I was with the, uh, the light duties. Okay. Yes, I was working with men whom they were doing uh, the heavy duties. Mm-hmm. So I was doing the light duties. Yes. So then after two years, um, they changed um, the system and I was now the one who has to do the, the duties that the men were doing. Uh-huh. So time goes by and I couldn't do that anymore. 
So I decided to to resign because, like, I was no longer feeling well because of that injury. Mm. So after I resigned, um, I was hoping maybe to find uh, the job that is lighter, uh, maybe preferably sitting job or that doesn't require me spending for for a long time or maybe walking around. So, Mm. Now at this moment I am unemployed and when I'm looking for a job I have to look the job that a specific job because of the the injury. Mm. What yeah. a, what a what a interesting and complex question for for the 5 minute that remains. Before before I hand you over um to Wendell um I I want to find out were you compensated when it happened 10 years ago? Sorry did you receive compensation? Yes, I did receive compensation. Right. Yes. And did the compensation, do you know how they, you know, arrived at that number, whatever number they gave you? I, I didn't I didn't have any clue because I was alone. And at first when I, I found out about this compensation thing, I found a letter and I took it to my HR and my HR said the letter belonged to her. Mm. So someone advised me to go to the compensation house and it's where that they said I must, I must launch a claim. Uh-huh. And then, because I didn't know when the doctor called me. Okay, that's fine. Let's try I to help you quickly. I didn't know what to expect. Uh, okay, sure. The, the long and short answer is that, um, in fact, um, legislation is intended to try and um, avert a double a double compensation or triple compensation situation and um if it is that you have been that you have been compensated um i i i i don't think um um there can be an expectation that you can be recompensated at a later stage you've re- received the compensation um the if there's a question about um the unhappiness of and the composition because you asked earlier um um do you know how the, the compensation was 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 arrived at um the 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 answer basically is that um i i th- you have received the compensation um if you have any um, dissatisfaction with the or, um lack of clarity on how the compensation was reached there's always avenues within the workman's compensation environment to try and establish whether this was a fair a fair settlement um, um for you but I, I i think um i think for the sake of time as well i mean that that's as far as i can as I can take that discussion because there has been compensation. Doesn't it become a labor issue? Because then if, if I get, and particularly if somebody got injured in the same company, right? And then it is determined that from now on the individual concerned must do light duties. When you now decide to escalate the duty levels and put, put them in heavy or semi-heavy, in other words, duties that have a strain on their health, it, does that not give rise to a new and separate claim? And 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 it's a little bit unfortunate because you you know you took the decision to resign, mm. and therefore, and therefore that kind of changes things significantly. I was about to say, Michael, that um, just from listening to the listener right now, yeah. I have so many questions. Yes, and I realize that mm. we don't have. You know, it's the time curse of the law report. We get course. all the beautiful calls. <laughs> 
five minutes before the show is to conclude. But anyway, that's the law report. Let me thank all my guests. Um, Wendell Bloom from Kabila Huntley Attorneys. Wendell, thank you so much. Thank you, Michael. And then uh, as well as to you, Kuto Sekhobela uh, from Lefel Depu. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And to you, the Afropolitan. Um, it's been good. I look forward to being with you again next Wednesday. From me, Michael Mutoning Bill, good evening.